David, how are you? Hey, David. I'm 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 right here. I'm waiting. I'm all good. You okay? I'm fine. But you were like, I'm supposed to join you momentarily. I was like, well, um, no, Lloyd was saying like, Lloyd was saying it was going to a voicemail, and then and then we got you. So oh, I am here. How how is everybody? Uh not as good as you are. Uh, you've had some great calls over the last two games, and I think the fact that Memphis made two big runs with. Uh, you know, five, four minutes left to go in games three and games four, and the Jazz shut the door on both of them uh, in those games, I thought is really, really impressive by this squad. Yeah, I think they, you know, they don't have a great track record, right? They don't have a lot of uh, playoff success in their back pocket for them to go back to. And so they've, over this course of the season, they've gained a confidence and gained a belief in themselves and gained a keep togetherness, and, and they showed that. Um, in the last few nights, uh, and that's that's impressive. And um, they're doing what a one seed should do in the series. David, through four games, give us your series MVP so far. Mike Conley. I have a hard time disagreeing with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, Donovan's been great in the three games he's played, and – Rudy always has an impact. I thought Mike Conley's game two and game three performances were super special. And then obviously he hit the big daggers in game four. So, um, you know, I think that was, um, and that's a really big luxury. You know, Mike, Mike's post game interview was really interesting too, about how, you know, I've been there before when you're, you're carrying the load and you're exhausted. And so the fact that he very consciously went and took a possession or two for Donovan late and then made the plays is important. I mean, the, Donovan is the guy, right? There's no question that this is his team and his guy, but the Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert pick and roll is really special. And Mike Conley has been crazy clutch this year as well. So, you know, the more the jazz can have different looks than just Donovan coming downhill at you and put in clutch is going to help this team out. And I think we've seen, we saw that in some games when Donovan was out and we've seen, just saw that last night that there was just enough possessions where you could do something else, despite a fourth quarter where we, you know, did not have a particularly good offensive quarter, you know, live and die by the three. We were dying by the two. Like we didn't make a two the whole fourth quarter. So I was going to bring that up because you tweeted that out last night and I had to go look at the play. Like, like you tweet things out and your stats. And I'm like, if Glock says it, it's 100% true. But when you tweeted this out, I'm like, I got to go double check this because this is this doesn't seem possible. The Jazz last two point field goal was with 28 seconds left on the third quarter. They went the whole fourth quarter without a two point bucket. That's that's remarkable. It's a little nutty. It's not a script I think I would live by very often because you'd like to get to the rim and get some shots. Um, if you want to stay away from ever having a floater or a mid-range shot, that's fine with me. But if you, we'd like to get to the rim every now and then, they just didn't fall. And Memphis was collapsing defensively and forcing you to make some outside shots. And, you know, those longer – there is something, too, that the longer that shot, late in games when things are tight, should be harder. But if Quinn can get these guys to believe and give them the freedom, then it shouldn't be that hard. So, obviously, David, the Jazz sit in a very good seat in a 3-1 advantage over Memphis. And I can't help but wonder and ask you, do you think they learned enough last year to know that it's time to just put it put it out and, and finish it come up tomorrow? If we're honest, there's no way to know this, right? Like, if we're tr- being truthful. Um, the comments coming out of the interviews last night felt as though they were pretty aware of it and that their reaction, uh, we should see a different team that is a little 
more detail oriented. It was what Donovan talked about after the game last night. Um, but I would hope so. Um, but I don't, you know, if we're really honest and I'm actually not entirely sure if they knock Memphis out that they've answered every question there, but that's what the playoffs are that you answer a portion of questions and then you get the next set of questions and go after it. And, you know, this roads, you know, this is a hard, it's interesting to me. Like, I don't think this series has been particularly close. I know that Memphis has made runs, but like, you don't really blow people out by 20 very often in the playoffs. That's like, if you have, if you're playing a healthy team and it's one through eight, like you're not blowing them out. Like that's not, that's not common. That's a little bit why everybody was so kind of amazed by what the Clippers did, but that wasn't against a healthy team. And frankly, Dallas has had the widest variation of performance of any team in the league all season long. So I, it's not, um, you know, and I just don't think this, I mean, when the jazz have led for 130 to last 144 minutes, but to me, that's not a particularly close series. Um, Memphis has battled and they fought and they've been like, that's like, right. But like in regards to, we haven't had to come from behind. There's a lot of next level questions we still have left in this playoff run before it's over. David Locke joining us right here on 97.5, 1280, the zone and the zone sports network jazz and Grizz coming up tomorrow. A player that, uh, you know, look, Rudy's great. Conley's playing out of his mind. Mitchell's been awesome. Uh, I, I think we need to have an appreciation moment for Royce O'Neal because I think he's been spectacular as well. Well, he has, and I had a number this morning, which if you give me a second, I'll try to find again. I think Ja Morant, when guarded by Royce O'Neal, is now, I think, 9 for 25 shooting in the series. Hmm. Somewhere close to that, if you give me one second to double check it. He he was seven of sixteen coming in. I thought he was two for nine last night. So let me see if that let me see if I'm right on that. Um but yeah, no, I, I think Royce has been Royce has been terrific on numerous levels. One is rebounding is vital as it has been all season. Uh two, he's made a bunch of shots. Three is defensive adjustments to who he's played have been great. And then he's just been fearless. Like he's just not he's just not like bothered by the moment like i've seen a lot of other guys here kind of not take a shot here or there that was available to them that has not been the case with him and it's really vital when a team comes in with a game plan that is we are not going to guard you he's got to make them pay and he did that that number is right there uh, morant is 9 of 25 and 2 of 13 from 3 when guarded by royce o'neill David, I was looking at uh, just the, some of the three-point percentages, some of the performances the Jazz put up. They were 50% last night, uh, 44%, I know, in game three. Uh, I don't have games two and one in front of me. But watching last night and then watching game three, is, is Memphis just not a capable three-point defending team? Are the Utah Jazz finding open looks or – or is this something that Jazz fans can kind of count on through the postseason? I, I know we saw this type through the regular season, but 50% as a team last night and better is a pretty hard, high mark. So that is a high mark. I think that's unlikely for us to be able to maintain a great deal. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bank on that as my answer to uh, what we should expect. Um, we did shoot 40% for the season and, probably something a little under that um, as you get comfortable, maybe against an opponent, you get a little bit better understanding this. The, what I do think has taken place here is that Memphis has really, really committed to denying the rim. 
And so I think the Jazz only had about 12 or 14 shots at the rim in game number three, and I don't know the final number um, last night. I'll, I'll have it for you in a second. But the uh, this is a multitask interview here. You guys are putting me through the ringer. Um, but the I think that the what you're seeing is when they commit to not giving a shot at the rim, that then you're you know you're going to take some threes. What was different last night was where the threes came from. Memphis made a change in in something they were doing defensively and how they were pulling in, and they pulled in from the corners, and the Jazz recognized it very early. So instead of taking, you know in the first four games, 37, 31, or 40 above the break threes. So we had taken, you know, 108 above the break threes in the first three games. We were averaging about 34, 30, you know, or so above the break threes. In in game four, we took 11 corner threes and only took 23 above the break threes. So, you know, if you increase your corner three percent, amount of corner threes you take, you're going to make, uh, more of your threes, that's a better shot for us. We shoot 40% on that shot. Um, we frankly shoot 39% on above the break, but just traditionally across the league. So that's a little bit. We both we hit that. And then the other one I would have to go look at that I don't know, Hans, is what was happening in the first few games is a lot of our above the break threes were, were off the bounce dribble threes. Yeah. And it felt last night like we had more catch and shoot threes than we've had. And catch and shoot threes are considerably better shots than off the bounce threes. So I think we got better quality three-point shots in that game than we got in the previous game. That last data point, I could be wrong. That's an eyeball check when calling it. You kind of think to yourself, but I'm not I, – I don't know if that's true. I could check, but I don't know. David Locke right here on the Zone Sports Network. Game three coming up tomorrow. You'll hear David on the call as the Jazz try I to close – I am correct. We took 22 catch-and-shoot threes last night and went 12 of 22 on catch-and-shoot threes for 55%. Woo. Jeez. Including the catch and shoot uh, from Mike Conley that uh, came off the pick and roll between Donovan and, and Rudy that Donovan fired over. I think Melton was sloughed off Mike and Donovan fired off the Mike and, and Mike knocked that one down. Mike's catch and shoots are impressive. Yeah, but that step back was pretty impressive too. Really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think I think all of our guys are, um, uh, all of our guys are are really good catch. Above forty percent on catch and shoot threes. If we can get catch and shoot, David Locks with us right here on the Zone Sports Network. Um, what do you make out of this Dallas Clippers series? Is it all about Luca getting banged up? What is it that the Clippers have done to reel off two in a row and even that series up? It's all about unusual make or miss league shooting by the Dallas Mavericks in the first two games. If you actually look at the Mavericks shooting and you dig into some of that QSQ stuff and second spectrum and some of that other data, what Dallas did in the first two games was made an inordinate amount of shots that was not sustainable. Now, Luca's injury is the headline to everything to this, but if you walk through this series, in the first game, Dallas goes 17 of 36 from three, shoots 47%. They shoot 50% overall, and in game, and in game two of the series, they have an equally outlandish shooting game, and so you know, while it was nice that Dallas was, I think they shot 53% and 59% overall in game number two. And the easy answer is that Dallas, that the Clippers couldn't guard anyone. But when you're shooting 50% from three for two games in a row, you know, a little bit of where we are too, that's a little yeah. bit, you're just making shots. Um, and so they, I think what's really happened in that series is that one, yeah, sure. Luke has gotten hurt and they're not getting as good a looks, 
Um, but I actually think like the the bullcrap narratives are really failing in this series and the way the general media covers it is really pretty inaccurate. Um, you know, um, and I think Dallas is in trouble, frankly, because Dallas shot 51% from three in a game and lost. Um, and you just can't keep doing, you know, that's like they, like Dallas lost in game three. They, they shoot 51% from three. Like if the fact that they didn't get that game, like, Oh my goodness gracious. Um, and then the fact that they suddenly went five of 30 from three in the next game is not surprising to me. So, um, you know, the Clippers have no heart, you know, all that garbage, like it's garbage. It was an absolute case of an outlandish shooting stretch by the Dallas Mavericks. And now that series is tied. And frankly, Dallas has had these kind of variations all season long. So um, I think this is the, the if you can't tell the narratives around this series from the national media has me a little ill. David, I've had a groin injury, and groin injuries are horrible, miserable. Phoenix is going to win this series, aren't they? Uh, that's what I'm wondering. You know, you take Anthony Davis off the court. I, I don't know. Maybe Anthony comes back. Maybe he's just, maybe he's just resilient to pain. I don't know if he comes back or he can. <laughs> but can LeBron? There's a sentence that's <laughs> never been uttered before. <laughs> Boy, yeah, I think we're all kind of giggling on that one. What what I said that he'd be. Uh... Uh, resilient Anthony Davis pain. is resilient to pain. <laughs> it's not a sentence that's ever been uttered before. But I uh, can LeBron James, can he will this Lakers team to a series victory without Anthony Davis? Um, so I thought the fourth quarter the other night was fascinating. So I don't remember how much they were down. But in the fourth quarter the other night, LeBron had 11 points two rebounds and two assists. And what I thought I saw, and if my memory is they were down about 10 or 12, the entire, there was really, it was almost like there was no reason for LeBron to be out there. Right. They, they were down like 15, 16 points with like seven, eight minutes left in the game. And LeBron went to work. And I didn't think LeBron went to work to will the team back to win that night. I thought LeBron went to work to figure out what he was going to do in game five. So, I mean, I think Phoenix is going to win this series now because if Anthony Davis doesn't play and the, and the Suns win today, then, like, the, like the Lakers – I don't know that the Lakers – I would ever – like, Suns are good. Even with Anthony Davis, I'm not necessarily picking the Lakers to beat the Suns back-to-back games, right? Like, and the bigger story on game four – or game – yeah, game four is that Chris Paul looked good. Um, so, but I thought LeBron played that fourth quarter – for game five. Like, okay, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to play in the post. I'm going to distribute out of the post. I'm going to overpower. This is how they're guarding. Like, I thought there was really, and I thought it was a good example of kind of the greatness of LeBron in the fact that I that he was playing ahead. Now, I could be making, you know, I may be making this all up, but that's really, it was an unnatural performance to me for a guy down 16 at that point in time, and that's that's what made sense to me about it. David, appreciate it as always. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. I will talk to you soon. See you, David. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Park.